With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. As every bone in my back cracks and my shoulder and my el- my shoulder down to my elbow feels like I'm about 68. In the hand, in the arm that you would be surprised. Not that. Welcome to HIC Talk Radio. Greg Lagans. Dan Calchico. Actually, I forgot to do it again. The opening to you. Hi, everybody. We're all here. Greg's over there. I'm, I'm over here. Some, somewhere over the rainbow. Um, so, we're in week one of the WWE Network on Peacock. Uh, which... Not bitch, which, whatever. Uh, which, I do want to tell you, if you have access to the original network, it is still on until April 4th. Okay. So I'm powering through the rest of uh, September 1992, and whenever that stuff finally ports over to the network on Peacock, I will start up in October of 1992 and continue on. Um, so it's still usable, and I think they retro charge you. I don't even care. It's not about to keep the money. Obviously, you need it more than I do. Um, 
But one of the things I discovered when I logged on to check is a feature I thought was very handy. It basically gives you a review of the show that just aired. Okay. So when I checked it on Monday, it said five top moments from WWE Fastlane and played a good chunk of that show. And it did it for SmackDown that, the day, the two days before that. And it did it for Raw. Good idea. I like that. Right on the front page when you click WWE at the top, it's there. I was very happy about that. But uh, speaking of which, Fastlane just passed. Yes, pass right on by. Pass yeah. right on by, and I know yeah. how you. I know. I know what you're going to. Say. You know what? Go ahead. You do. You you do know what I'm going to say. Uh, well, you you kind of gave it away when you when I was like, hey, do what do we want to talk about tonight? I'm like fast lane low, fast lane low lights. So I was like, I was going to say highlights or the the highlights falling down. I said highlights and low lights. <laughs> yeah, or that that or the there were some there were lights in there were lights things yeah, happened. So. Yeah, falling down, almost crushing someone. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it, it was truly abysmal, and I'm so glad that the days of pay-per-view are over. So, because if, if I paid money... It's, it's kind of official, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which has a lot, which, you know, and, uh, another podcast for another time is how that hurts the uh, the wrestlers' pocketbooks, because... Pay-per-views were how most wrestlers got their bonuses and got very sizable bonuses for the big shows. Um, back when there were big shows, your WrestleManias or SummerSlams or whatever, your pay-per-view with the buy rate and the house, uh, wrestlers got bonuses. Uh, that's gone. Since there's no more pay-per-views, there's no more pay-per-view money, and there's no pay-per-view bonuses, um, which sucks um, for uh, a lot of reasons. But for this particular one, I mean – Incredibly glad that I didn't have to pay more than nine ninety nine um, to watch this um, horrific thing. I don't even know what to call it because uh, from Apollo Cruz, who's now Nigerian, doing the reverse Kofi Kingston. Kofi came in as Jamaican and then lost his accent like that. Apollo came in as Apollo and now he's Nigerian with a Nigerian accent complete with spear and accompanying scarf. I don't get I don't Well, know how why. does that make you feel, Craig? I don't know why this is happening. I felt the same way when Tony Atlas became Saba Simba. But I um, about that. I I didn't or and I couldn't and I know Tony did it because the man was homeless before that phone call came. He said, Hey, we want you to put on a uh Russell Barefoot, put on some uh a grass skirt, you know, do a little dance, big spear. We'll tell them you're getting back in touch with your African roots. Somebody posted in defense of Craig this morning, uh, Vince this morning, Craig, picture of all the champions who were African-American or not white. Uh-huh. With the caption, Vince isn't racist. <laughs> and I just replied with a picture <laughs> I was like, all right. What do I know? I'm just a white guy. Yeah. And there, and there, there's two kinds. Um, you can have the uh, a picture of all the African American wrestlers that have been champion or have been superstars under Vince McMahon and say Vince isn't racist. Or you can look at the entire history of the AWA, where there was not one black wrestler pushed in the 57 year history of that company. 
and that's another form of racism. So I don't know if you noticed this over the last year, for those who didn't know, but certainly found out, Midwest is kind of white. Yeah. Minnesota especially. Yeah. And we were just talking in the last episode about Ernie Ladd, how Ernie Ladd main evented every major arena in the United States from Madison Square Garden to the Superdome and headlined every major territory in the United States, yet he never set foot in the AWA. Why do you think that is? I, well, because probably uh, racism. Yeah. What and would have happened if he got there and Vern tried his shit with him anyway, though? But if you're Vern Gagne, why wouldn't you call Ernie Ladd? Because you you're don't. an idiot. Well, he's an idiot. Look what happened. I know I know. I'm supposed to have a certain I, – I, listen, I respect Vern Gagne for – he ran for a long time. Yes, he but did. But at a certain point, not the – just the Hulk Hogan thing. And we all know how you and I both yeah. feel about Hogan. Yeah. The Hogan thing, the Bobby Heenan thing, the everybody else who went to WWF in the late in mid to late eighties thing, mm-hmm. and Ernie Ladd and anybody else he didn't bring to the territory because they were not white and pale. He's Bobo, an idiot. Bobo Brazil sold out was the main event in Detroit for ten years in a row. Detroit is 200 miles away from Chicago. I know there's a certain somebody who's going to listen to this and go, how can you call Vern Gagne an idiot? I don't think we could understate how much money Ernie Ladd made where he went every time he went, everywhere he went, and explicitly did not go to AWA. If he's not an idiot, he's a racist. Pick one. Yeah. Because Ernie Ladd was money. Easy. And even if you are racist, because there were certainly racist promoters that were booking him, because you book him anyway, because in that way, Vern Gagne was an idiot. I'm not saying, I'm not mother effing Vern Gagne. I don't really care. He's dead. He doesn't care. Mm-mm. Although he'd probably kill me from the grave because Vern Gagne tried to kill people in the nursing home. Yeah. Because, but my point is. Mm-hmm. As a booker, at one point, he became an idiot. Yeah. He could have saved that company. There's my mini Vern Gagne, right? Whenever I watch that documentary, you now and then I'll put pop the documentary on because they cover Bachwinkle and a bunch of other guys that I like. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it going, you're an idiot right now. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, gee, I wonder. To answer your question, gee, I wonder. Well, Vince has never been shy about it. I don't know if the man curses the N-word every five minutes. I don't know. Sure, it's been uttered a time or two. Recently, I mean, in the private. But, I mean, Vince has never shied away from promoting a racial stereotype. Look at the line he used against Roman about your, uh, your, what is he, two steps away from a bone through your lip? Yeah. And, and he's always been – I mean, look at his – he's his in how he's so enamored with dumbass hillbilly gimmicks all the time. Like that's never gone away. Or, you know, even just the, the antics of, of the New Day uh, as, as opposed to, you know – Ignoring – Ignoring the hurt business. Like that's more celebrated than – three badass heels. I'd rather have three, you know, jokey jokesters. 
Ignoring color for a second. Yes. Work work backwards with me on purpose. Mm-hmm. Keith Lee's standing there next to you. Braun Strowman's standing there next to you. The body of the work, the body of work is the same. Who are you putting in the spot? I'm putting Keith Lee. <clears throat> and that, which was my other point. You, you have a Keith Lee who has that freakish athleticism for a guy his size. And Braun Strowman, obviously guys like six foot eight, three hundred and ten pound guys don't grow on trees. And credit to him for getting himself in actual shape because now we actually have tone to him. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Okay. At the same, and at the same time, yeah, we've seen everything that Braun Strowman can do. We've we know exactly. I he's like the this millennium's big show. You could put the belt on him for a transitional role, he can be a great heel, he can be a great face. He's just big. That's yeah, another thing that Vince is enamored with, big guys. You know, bigger, fine. It doesn't matter if you can wrestle, if you can work, if you're a head case, cough, Sid, or anything else, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll use you. But Keith Lee, they don't grow on trees. And they, you're not going to get that type of athleticism from any man of that size, regardless of the color of his skin. So when you have that in your lap... And you saw how well he was in NXT, how over he was in NXT, and you saw the pop he got at Royal Rumble. Why would you not run with that or take it as far as possible? Unless you saw something in – and it, the, the divide we're seeing, and I'm glad you mentioned Vince, and I'm, we're going to get off Fastlane and go right to my Andrade point because you have Keith Lee, Aleister Black, and Andrade – uh, on that are supremely talented people that Triple H was high on, that he recruited, that he pushed through NXT, his baby. All three of them went to the top of NXT, and then they get to the main roster, and Vince sours on them. Vince, uh, he doesn't have it. So there's the divide right there, because Triple H, the guy who's been in the ring, who knows talent, and say what you will about Triple H, and I have, for his wrestling career, the guy knows how to how to book and knows how to put the best possible talent in the best possible situations and gets the most out of them. Um, and so if he sees something in a Keith Lee and a, and a Aleister Black and an Andrade, uh, it's for a reason that this guy can can do the same thing in NXT that he does in the, in on the main stage, and if given a chance, given a push. He can make you a lot of money, but it's the the WWE trope is to always fall on guys that have already made me money, and I'll stick with that. I'll stick with the devil I know. So, where uh, Daniel Bryan, who retired ten years ago, I'm sorry, uh, seven years ago, Edge retired ten years ago. Uh, really, that long already for both? Yep. <laughs> Edge retired in 2010. Um. And guys like that, rather than uh, an Andrade or a Keith Lee or an Aleister Black. I just want to point out the thing about Andrade again. Mm -hmm. Man asked for his release. You've told him you have nothing for him. Cool. Yeah. But you're not going to grant it to him. You have to fight about it for a couple days before you finally go, okay, fine. Uh, What message is, is that sending? 
and he's already he, got the non-compete. It's just a fucking matter. Let him go. Yeah, and that's the and that's the, the other thing. They he, that they really don't care the fact that he's got a non-compete. He can start with AEW tomorrow or go to Japan tomorrow. And that's how little the WWE cares about him, and which is again I don't get. I mean, uh, but I mean, fair if they don't see it, which doesn't make sense to me or you. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. fair, but it doesn't make any sense. But fair, then you grant, then let him go. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, in the face of all of that, you not letting him go is where I'm like, well, it's coming off a little white power to me there, dude. Yeah, and also the fact that. She, He's the fiance of your biggest female star. That has time. COVID. That's awesome. Yeah, and I see. I didn't know that. I just thought. I just saw that the day that Andrade was released was the same day that they took Charlotte, Charlotte off the WrestleMania poster. It was being ignored until Rick said something. Rick said that she had she has COVID, and she kind of basically confirmed it. So that's at least two weeks. I don't. I mean, I don't think that kills the WrestleMania run, but I think she, at this point they're like, we can't build it. Screw it. So well, she's it was, not advertised to be there. Yeah, it was supposed to be her and Asuka, I thought, at WrestleMania, and Rhea Ripley just took her place. I mean, I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. Very good with that. But um, um, and Rhea Ripley, who just made her debut, so that's fantastic. No, I um, it, it, listen, the, <laughs> you send the message over and over again. I don't know what to tell you. And it's just like somebody saying, well, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. It's That tweet was the same thing to me. Well, I can't be racist. I had black people as champions. Yeah. It's not really how that works. Uh, i tell you a story about Junkyard Dog back when there was territories, and he was the Mississippi State Heavyweight Champion. I was one of the titles under uh, the Mid-South. There was North American Champion. You could be Mississippi State Champion, and uh, Miss South TV champion. Well, Junkyard Dog was uh, champion of the Mississippi Mississippi State Heavyweight Champion. Uh, the mayor of Biloxi, Mississippi, didn't want, or I'm sorry, the governor didn't want anything to do with Junkyard Dog and always had a problem. So what Junkyard Dog would do when his uh, promos, when he would come to, when he would be coming to Biloxi uh, to defend the Mississippi State Heavyweight Champions, and I want to talk about and I forget his name, so I'm making one up. And I want to talk to my good friend, Len. I come down to Biloxi. I stay with my good friend, uh, Governor Leonard Stone. I stay in his house, and I sleep, and I drink his wine, and I sit on his porch. And, you know, the governor's just livid whenever he hears because Junkyard Dog has got this huge following in the Mid-South. And so every time he mentions the governor's name about he stays at the governor's house, and he drinks in his drink his wine. Amazing. And on his porch. Oh, stir and the pot. Stir the pot. And he was livid. I want to kill that. Well, yeah. by the way, just a heads up. Uh, I'm not going to name the the episode of this, but the first uh, sentence in the blurb about the episode is, this isn't racist. He has black champions, in quotes. Yeah. I just wanted your approval for that. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's that, that's fine. And and honestly, this, this particular episode of HIAC Talk Radio was not intended to uh, invoke race at any point. In time, we just got off on a tangent, and uh, and I just want to ooh, it's a fight on TV, uh, and I just want it clear because none of us is like cancel Vince, the, the cancel culture stuff. You can't label we label us with on this episode because it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. Just pointing some stuff out, yeah. Just calls them like a season. Just something of just you know, this is the uh, HIAC talk 
If it walks, uh, quacks, and swims. Yeah. This is our version of the noticer. So yes. Just... Yes. Yes. I should... <laughs> I should bring in that mask. You should get that mask and go, listen, I'm not saying he is. But I, I, I noticed something. I noticed. Uh... Yeah, but he defended Stucker. Yeah, because he's making him money. Yeah, and for many governors, I mean governors, God, promoters, (laughs) bookers in the South that had a problem with black wrestlers, they didn't have a problem with making money. Uh, I told you the Sputnik Monroe story about how uh, he – Mopery. Yeah, but tons of black fans wanted to come and see him. And while the arenas – while the crow's nest was packed, but the arenas were half full. I cannot believe they called that the crow's nest for that. I... Yeah. And when you look at it, you're like, well, of course that's why it's called the crow's nest, but it never occurred to me. Yeah. We're just going to call it the mezzanine level from now on. Yeah. But uh, promoter, but how promoters said, hey, well, if we can get all those people, not those people, but everyone down to where the what do you mean those people? crowd is. What do you mean, you people? Um, but yeah, they just saw money. I mean, if everyone's paying to see this person, what different? I mean, the the end. Ernie always said the only color that mattered to promoters was green. Green. I brought. I came in six five, six nine, three to twenty pound menacing black man. I didn't throw my weight around. I didn't try to intimidate anyone. I was trying to make my way in the business, and uh, I drew heat for whatever reason. If it's the color of my skin. Great. If it's because I talk on the good on the microphone or because I put down the baby face, great. But I saw how the wrestling game worked. He said just coming into f- the football, and I knew I could I could capitalize on it, both in the ring and and out of the ring, because what he could do in the ring was one thing, but what he could do out of the ring, booking, uh, was another. And again, made money everywhere he went. And any time he wanted to drop, he, he dropped somebody and used his weight. Yeah. Oh, and as it, we it, damn near explained last week, there wasn't many guys that could take him and not get thrown into the back of a trunk car. No. Yeah. Here, let's argue about something. No. Right? No. Yeah, yeah. Let's argue about something real quick. I, I, for, and you know, we were talking about Ernie Ladd so much last week about all his because uh, we lost him last week and all the accolades and stuff. He's still uh, HIAC Talk Radio fans. This is your homework alert. Um, when you talk about stuff that happened in history, uh, caused maybe the worst riot, worst televised riot yeah. in professional wrestling history. Go to YouTube, right, uh, and just type in Cleveland riot involving uh, Ernie Ladd, Ox Baker, Johnny Powers. And Ernie was the face. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie was the face in Cleveland in the, the, old Nash, the old NWF, the National Wrestling Federation territory. And he was teaming with Johnny Powers and Ernie had won Wrestler of the Year, and Johnny Powers, who was the in, the new babyface, thought he should have won, and he turned on Ernie during a match. And uh, Ox Baker, who was the of the heart punch, was his. He hit Ernie with it, and usually the way Ox Baker's heart punch, you hit him once, he raises up your left arm and it hits you in, in the heart, and you go down. That's it. One, two, three. Pin one, two, three. He hit Ernie multiple times, and Ernie, even at six nine, three and twenty, master of of the cell, sold like he had been shot, and he went down. And Ox kept hitting him, 
while Ernie was down and hitting his lifeless body. And Ernie would just convulse every time he got hit. And the fans started coming closer to the ring. That's a sell, baby. To the point where they were – and Jim Cornette told the story because he asked – that's one of the first things he asked Ernie Ladd when he met him about the Cleveland riot. And uh, Ox kept saying, a little more heat. A little more heat. And Ernie, while being down on the canvas, looked up to him and said, Ox, the natives are getting restless. <laughs> and a uh, chair came in the ring. A fan came in the ring. More fans came in the ring. And Ox Baker and Johnny Powers had to run for their lives. And Ox Baker got crunched over the head with a chair so hard that he had a crease in his head, a permanent crease that was in his head and he had for the rest of his life. And that got him over in other territories for him being a rough, tough son of a gun. But he got that shit, that crease in his head from the Cleveland riot, from a chair being thrown at from by the fans. And he and Johnny Powers barely escaped with their lives. So right, uh, YouTube, Cleveland riot, Cleveland wrestling riot. Still gives me goosebumps because it was just great. But Ernie Ladd was in the middle, and for the and for a time, he and for for that moment, he was the face. He was the victim in that. So <laughs> you could say Ernie Ladd caused the worst riot in pro wrestling history. Another notch in Ernie's belt. Here, let's start a riot of her own. Because um, I know how you're gonna you're gonna react to this, and I know you're gonna yell at me. It's, here's a preemptive kiss by ass. Uh, I liked the. Uh, <laughs> Alexa Bliss, Bray Wyatt. I liked the Alexa Bliss, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton segment in Fastlane. I know, I know, I know. I'm not allowed. I'm not supposed to. Uh, I don't consider that part of wrestling. In my opinion, that's a vignette, and I thought it was a fantastic vignette. Uh, I still like the Bray Wyatt character. I wish they'd actually do something with him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I wish they would do something with him in ring because you know there's a couple, there's a bunch of lineage there, and he could wrestle with anybody, and he can hold down with anybody in the ring, and then they barely let him sniff the titles. Um, maybe as part of, maybe part of me is like because they're not giving him the title, like this is what I'm going to get, so I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can. And plus, Alexa Bliss is nailing it. I know you don't like the segments, but uh, I, I popped when this foot came out when his hand came out. I was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, this, that was the single. You know, I, I've said this before. That was the dumbest. 
Now that was a single worst thing I ever saw, but that, that was that was wow. after the uh, the John Cena again Bray Wyatt firehouse fun fest. Better or worse I mean, than Vampiro worse. and Sting in a graveyard on Nitro. Well, anytime you have a cinematic match, and I don't even I don't I can't even believe that is a term now. I do. Because it's not, it's got nothing to do with wrestling. First, AJ and Undertaker, more on him in a second, and in the in the, uh, the last ride match, and you know, just just call it an episode of TV. Don't even call it. Why do you even call it wrestling? It's the longest running television show in history. They call they nail it every time it's on. Uh, here's when I knew. Listen, I knew eventually something like this would happen because it Vince telegraphs this shit. Excuse me, and beyond the mat. We make movies. He said it. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying he said it. He told you what he's going to do. If you said it 20 years ago, why are we doing it now? It took him that long. Look how long it took him to have a black champion, Craig. Come on. It takes him a while. Uh, It was an embarrassment. Um, (laughs) To, to watch and, and and you know it and I've always and I've said it's like I like I say on this program all the time about AEW or any of the other skits that are done on other wrestling programs uh, for those people that like that kind of thing those are the kind of thing those people like like but I like both so I so I what don't. do you have for me well good for you I do <laughs> well I when no, I my only point was is before I, I get your they're not trying to make it an actual wrestling match. In my warped mind, that makes it okay. That they're not in ring doesn't matter because COVID. They, that's where they're filming it. Cool, whatever. But because they're not trying to do it, in the, like when they were trying that shit in the middle of a match. Uh, what was it? Three WrestleManias ago, where they had the stuff projected on the ring, and the, that's that's garbage. I hated it. I don't ever want to see that again. It did not look good. It did not look cool. It was stupid. They're kind of separating it from matches. So in my opinion, that makes it okay. It isn't a wrestling match. It's a television segment. And that's okay, too, as long as you have some good wrestling around it, which depends on what show it is. That's just just my two cents, sir. Jim Cornette hates me. If if you turn on... uh, you go to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they're singing and dancing throughout the whole thing. It's like, well, you know, but like Wandavision. Don't hit me. Or, or okay, you go to watch Wandavision, and there's a a, a back alley brawl, and there's a UFC fight that breaks out during Wandavision. It kind of was that he was like, "I request elaboration." Spoiler alert. But if you, 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 my point is, if you're you you go to watch one thing, you go to watch a wrestling bout, and it turns into an episode of The Walking Dead. I don't watch The Walking Dead and expect them to uh, a wrestling bout to pull up to, to break out. If Bray Wyatt whips out a bat and just bashes somebody's head in live on TV graphically, I tune in for that. I lost you. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> no, no, I'm, dude. Not, I'm not even listen. Um, our wrestling that we grew up with is dead. I know. And it ain't ever coming back. I know. So as a separate thing, I'm trying to enjoy it as a separate segment. And my weird line that I'm drawing is, 
that line they went over at that WrestleMania with Wyatt and was it Wyatt and Randy? And, and it right, was right, right, yeah, yeah. That's that line. Yeah. Being that it wasn't contained within an re- actual match, it's like well, it is what it is. Whatever. Being if it's if it's breaking up a match, I, I'm tuning out because that's not what you. I don't. That's not what you advertise. <laughs> you know. Illogical. I'm on another planet. Go ahead. I know. I didn't say you were wrong, by the way. No, I, and, and and I'm not saying you're wrong either. And obviously there's people that enjoy that and, and the people that, that get that or, or think, well, at least I was entertained. You can be entertained by a professional wrestling match. I can be entertained by a heel and a babyface having an athletic contest with one comes out the winner. That entertains me. I don't need to have light fixtures falling on me or have someone throw up black goo. Sure. Or have lights look up and lights fall on you and it was and that was and the whole it was supposed to be a wrestling match between Randy Orton and a four foot eleven porcelain doll. Listen, my mom's four foot eleven, she kicked my ass. I'm sure and I would have I would have loved to have seen I would have rather <laughs> seen Randy Orton versus your mom in in that match than that. But that was that's that that such an embarrassment. And uh, uh, so to anyone and, and the people that are that are listening and are faithful HIAC Talk Radio fans, um, I'm sure that some of you or, or all of you thought that was great or, or liked it. No, or, they're or probably that. on your side. No, they probably okay. they're probably nobody tunes into the show for me. They they're they're tuning in for you, so they're probably going shut up. But for but for our listeners, any listeners that that liked it, I'm great. I just came off a uh, my Facebook feed when I put a picture of, of Nicholson and Keaton, and I said that those guys were no... Oh, I saw you post that. I'm like, yeah. I am not even sticking around for these comments. I'm out. There's no Lado and Affleck. I'm not going to get into it with everyone that, you know, that prefers Jack Nicholson as a Joker or Michael Keaton as Batman. I've made my thoughts on that clear, but there's no point to, you know, to, to go down that road because this is all opinion. Um, and that's what that's what wrestling is. That's why, you know, when you have your favorite wrestlers and your you're not favorite. I almost type something out to screw with people, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna let that one go and read it. Yeah, I'll read that later. So uh, I, I had, I, I had no use for for Fastlane at all. Uh, as and that even being as as good a, a match as Daniel Bryan and, and Roman Reigns had, that was that was great. That was yeah, that's a great wrestling match. It was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We both got something we enjoyed, and one of us enjoyed both of them in a different way. Hello, wrestling fans, and you are wrestling fans, hopefully, if you're listening to this or watching this, HIAC Talk Radio. My name is Craig Lagans. Joining me, as always, is my tag team partner, Dan Colachico. And ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, um, we're going to go back in time when there was no social distancing where you can sit as close as possible with all your many like-minded friends and enjoying a spirited contest in the square circle that took place in arenas in all 50 states every single day of the week, uh, back when titles were called belts, back when the medical facilities were called hospitals, back when changing from a face to a heel or a heel to a face in one match meant something. This is the wrestling historian. And uh, we're going to go back to March 20th of in the year of our Lord, 
1994. I uh, got to put on the glasses because I got to see the, the past. It gets kind of blurry, so I got to see it more clear. Um, on March 20th, 1994, Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania X, WrestleMania 10. Uh, maybe in the top three, four of all WrestleManias in terms of match-by-match quality because it really wasn't a stinker in the bunch, but this one had some uh, very important milestones on it. The first match being uh, the first time brother versus brother occurred in a WrestleMania match, uh, Brett versus Owen. Uh, the opening card, uh, opening match on WrestleMania 10. They tore the house down, uh, and Owen getting the one, two, three over Big Brother Brett. And the uh, but Brett wouldn't be done because later on that night in the final match, Brett it was a Bret Hart sandwich. Bret Hart opened and closed the show. He would defeat Yokozuna to regain the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Uh, in between those, the Bret Hart sandwich, the Bret Hart first match and the Bret Hart last match, Bret Hart losing the opening and winning the last one, there was the first ever ladder match in the WrestleMania history that took place for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. That's right. I forgot it. I was at that show. Razor Ramon defeated Shawn Michaels. That wasn't Diesel's debut, was it? That was also the very it first was. WrestleMania okay. for... Kevin Nash Diesel. Okay, I, I didn't mean to. No, no, he was he was one of the many first on this date, Dan, March twentieth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, that was his first WrestleMania. That was the first ladder match in WrestleMania history, and still holds up as maybe the greatest ladder match of all time. And I'll hold it up as the greatest ladder match of all time. No disrespect to the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys for the incredible tables, ladders, and cha- chairs matches that they've had throughout their history. But the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder match that took place March 20th, 1994, only had one ladder. Yeah, that was it. You couldn't they couldn't go underneath the ring and drag out another one. There weren't ladders festooned all over ringside. They had one ladder, which means if it broke, if it bent, if it didn't stand up right, they were screwed. But, uh, there are ladder matches before this ladder match and ladder yeah. matches after. But that one, and uh, if you can find, this is your homework assignment, uh, HIAC Talk Radio fans, you could find any Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels ladder matches that took place when, during Bret Hart's first run as champion. Kudos to you, because um, from the one that I saw from the old Coliseum home video days, back when they were blockbusters, Back when, before there was more than one, that still in Bend, Oregon. Shout out to Bend, Oregon, the last black blockbuster. Wink, Sheldon's mama. Um, there was a match on the wrestling uh, WWF's most dangerous, craziest matches, the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels ladder match when Bret was the WWF champion and Shawn was the Intercontinental champion uh, back in 1992. And they did a series of them in house shows that um, the one I saw took uh blew the uh Shawn Michaels Razor ladder match out of the water and that's no disrespect to those guys but you know what Sean and Brett can do by themselves in a match but Sean and Brett with a ladder H N L 
whole nother level. But uh, it, it, it's crazy to me that somebody, two people that worked so well together in the ring couldn't stand each other outside of it. Uh, you know, Dan, when I uh, – Lennon and McCartney, you know? Yeah, well – Made made beautiful music together, but always almost always couldn't stay in the same room with each other. I, I, I mean, it's, we find out later it's not really true, right? Yeah. I mean, they were they hanging yeah. out, and Sean, if yeah. Brett was alone with Sean, Sean, if Brett would have killed him. Yeah. <laughs> John wouldn't have. Uh, my so, favorite story about those two, real quick, is them watching SNL together that yes. night. That uh, Lauren Michaels was like, "I will give." What was the joke? Five thousand dollars. It was three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars. I will give the Beatles three thousand dollars to read. And for a second, Paul and John were like, "You want to go?" Nah. For so for a second, yeah. And the the PS of that story is George showed up next week. Go, where's my money? Exactly. And. <laughs> The funniest part with Lauren's pitch, it's like I you, you do two songs, She Loves You, Yeah, 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 um, yesterday, and you can divide it up all four ways. If you want to give Ringo less, that's up to you. That's up to you. Do I remember – do I seem to remember a segment also, and then you pull it right back on track, WrestleMania 10, a segment where Father Guido Sarducci was outside of Paul McCartney's apartment chucking rocks? Yeah. That's something that happened – that and then the police it, came to stop him. Like what? I just want to. Yeah, and it, it was also Father Guido Sarducci that went to interview with Paul McCartney after Paul got arrested for uh, <laughs> marijuana in Japan. And so he goes, "I want to ask you about your your songs. Uh, now, how much more songs would you have written if you weren't on the drugs?" <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Who the fuck is this? But that uh, Paul McCartney's relationship with Harry and I live is long and storied, and uh, he and Lauren have always gotten along. But yes, uh, fans, uh, Lauren Michaels actually offered the Beatles when all four members were still alive to reunite on Saturday Night Live, and Paul and John were both in New York at the at the time. Paul called John and said, "Do you want to go down?" John said, "Yeah, I'll go down if you go down." And he said, oh, "Do you want? Are we doing this?" Well, I don't know. You want to? I, okay. Well, it would be funny, and they ended up, but. That was, but that was a a possibility. Paul and John. I don't imagine somebody going. Well, it would be great if we could get Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart here, and then it just cuts to camera, Bret Hart punching the fuck out of Shawn Michaels. <laughs> You're not gonna job for me, huh? <laughs> but uh, and also on that WrestleMania 10 card, uh, the dark match uh, that that day, Dan was the Bushwhackers defeating the Heavenly Bodies with Jim Cornette. Jesus. So that was Jim Cornette's first WrestleMania. Yippee do. Yeah. Oh, I wish there was footage of that at all. I don't care. It was, it was Cornette's first WrestleMania, Diesel's first WrestleMania, uh, and the first WrestleMania without Hulk Hogan. Oh, well, it's cause for celebration because we yeah. got Lex Luger. Thank God. <laughs> And but it also would be the last WrestleMania for one Randy Savage. So that was March twentieth, nineteen ninety four. March twenty third, we have a theme here. It's WrestleMania Caesar and WrestleMania thirteen in Chicago uh, was the first WrestleMania, first pay per view for one Rocky Maivia. Oh God! Yes. Uh, also, the same. Uh, yes, Triple H <laughs> uh, 
defeated Goldust and the day de- with the debut of China, making her first WrestleMania appearance. Uh, also, uh, Owen and Davy Boy defeated the team of Vader and Mankind, making his WrestleMania debut. Yeah, Mick Foley's first WrestleMania. And uh, the uh, title match, uh, Undertaker would defeat uh, Sid for the uh, WWE Championship. But the biggest match that occurred that night, uh, the one that got the most people talking, and some would say, to this day, Dan, that this is a match that changed the entire company, was when Bret Hart defeated Steve Austin uh, with the sharpshooter. Austin never tapped, but with blood streaming down his face, he passed out from the pain. Bret Hart, who came into that ring as a face, Austin, who entered that ring as a heel, had both their roles switched by the end of that match. And uh, some would say just it turned the entire company around and uh, in a direction that gave birth to the Attitude Era. But if you watch it again, uh, watch the crowd and how they just turned. And it helped at the end. Ken Shamrock was a special guest referee. Wouldn't let go. And Shamrock had to grab uh, Brett, take him off. And Brett pushed back. And then Brett backed down like a cowardly heel. Didn't want anything to do with, uh, with Ken Shamrock. And when they revived Austin, he was cheered by the fans. Uh, this was... The beginning of the Bret Hart, Shawn Michael, the Bret Hart, Steve Austin feud, but that would eventually lead Steve Austin to be the biggest star of the company, and Austin 316 would just be a matter of time. But uh, March 23rd, 1997, Austin versus Bret. I think you put it perfectly when you say that that match changed the history of that company because. You know, you got Steve Austin, who was practically written off by WCW, coming off that run in ECW, which was like a month long. Yeah. And coming in as the ringmaster, which was meh. Mm-hmm. And then King of the Ring kind of changed that. Yeah, and had it not been for the curtain call, because Hunter was supposed to win that King of the Ring, he was punished. And Austin was given that spot, and all these things fall into place for Steve Austin. Hunter being, you know, punished for the curtain call, leaving the door open for Austin to win King of the Ring. Austin and Brett having that epic match, and uh, Austin turning face while Brett turned heel completely. Uh, wasn't the intent. That's just what happened. And Austin was on a rocket ship to the top, not only of the WWE, but in all, of all the professional wrestling. The same guy that was written off by WCW, the same guy that was fired through uh, a FedEx, I mean, through a phone call. Did you proceeded uh, to fire me over the phone. Yeah. Um, it helps when you talk about the... Uh, Legacy of Steve Austin, because that match made him. After that, it was skyrocket. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything fell into place. The feud with The Rock, with the IC belt, going into it with McMahon. It 
all fell into place. He had that bump in the road against Owen where he almost killed him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, world changed. And um, it helps that Steve, and I, I just like pointing this out every time we're talking about Steve, because, you know, people remember him for the beer, for the stunner, and for the Attitude Era, and no, I, I, not a lot of people who watch him as casual wrestling fans talk about this enough. Top ten wrestler. Yeah. Top five, maybe. Mm-hmm. The dude was that good. He just was. Yeah. He just was. Go back and watch those matches against Ricky Steamboat and WCW when he when the stun gun was the worst finisher in wrestling history. Stupid hold. That and the whatever Vinny Vegas called that. Yeah. Oh, the snake eyes. Snake eyes. Yeah. Which he did to that day, but thank God they didn't use those. But, um, watch, him with the, watch him with the Hollywood blondes. What? No. I was about to say the tag team matches they had against Flair and Anderson, or yeah. anybody for that matter, as the Hollywood Blondes, but Steve was one of the best. He wasn't just the guy that was talking on the microphone, feuding with a guy who was 20 years older than him. He was one of the best. He's one, he was so smooth, so good. Yeah. The the guy just had it, and uh, from, the, from the get-go, you know, I told you the story about Mick Foley seeing him as, you know, when he was 22 years old, watching this young blind kid run the ropes at the old sportatorium. Because after the TV taping, they would have a training. Chris Adams Wrestling School would be in there. And Mick Foley would walk by and he'd see the kids training. And he didn't see anything in potential. But, said, but that blonde-haired kid, there's something about him. And that was just him watching Steve run the ropes. Run the ropes. Well, and, he, he looked and, different than everybody else yeah. running the ropes, man. Yeah. And he could just he, – he, he had it. And the credit – what made uh, what makes Austin so great, before the Owen injury, he was the, the top five – top three wrestlers in the entire United States in any company. But after that, he just changed his entire style. Yeah, the dude was, was having world-class matches. Yeah. 75% of his upper body ability was gone because of the neck injury, and he was still... And he and Rock still sold out the Astrodome and made $55 million in one night. The the thing that that and what uh, what that took away from Austin the only thing the that heel, was, the heel turn yeah and the only thing that but took away from Austin's ability because of the injury he could no longer take a backdrop yeah that was the one thing Austin took the best backdrops in wrestling oh, he yeah. couldn't he couldn't do it anymore I compare it to a Ric Flair backdrop yeah when Ric Flair wrestled this thing or Hogan yeah or anybody else that was like this mega star mm-hmm. and he was the bad guy. He looked like he was in a plane crash. No pun intended. He yeah. looked. He looked like he was in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. I guess he learned because he was in a plane crash. But he looked like he looked like a dude lifted a grocery bag with one soup can in it and threw him up in the. It's just yeah. He he took that from Rick. It just yeah. Oh, he's so good. I, so good. I watching through that old stuff, seeing Steve Austin come on TV, even wrestling opening matches on Saturday night for like two minutes, just looked better than everybody else in the ring, man. He just looked better than most of the talent in the company. Yeah. and, and he Which is it. why he was pushed to the side. Yeah, and that's, that's the Hogan effect. Had um, Hogan never came and he brought his guys along, you know, we – Austin obviously could have been had a run as NWA champion, but when, when people when people tell me why don't you like Hogan, 
and I list the different reasons. The final one I always say, when he went to WCW, look at the main event of the Starcade before he came in. Mm-hmm. Look at the main event of the Starcade the year he came in. The year before, it was Ric Flair versus Vader at Starcade. Mm-hmm. The year after, it was Hulk Hogan versus whatever the fuck bruised beefcake was called. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't get it. As far as talent, certainly don't even get it. No. No, I'm in the minority on that, but Hogan doesn't like minorities. Yeah. Which is why he and Titus are not hosting on the same day. Oh, my. God, I forgot to mention that. We'll mention that. um, We can hurt WrestleMania. We'll make a point to do that. I'll write that on my notes. Take take it back, sir. I'm taking it back. Well, you know, we talked about Hogan and what his effect, the Hogan effect on WCW. Well, it all culminated, Hogan and, and Bischoff and the bad booking decisions and the bad investments and the bad uh, decisions uh, all culminated on that same day, March 23rd, 1997, you know, we WrestleMania in Chicago. On March 23rd, 2001 was the day the war ended, Dan, because that was the day the World Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated but are we officially 20 years? We are. It's the 20th. Wow. Anniversary. 20th March, anniversary of WCW dying. Yeah. March 23rd, 2001, World Wrestling Federation Entertainment announced its purchase of the World Championship Wrestling brand from Turner Broadcasting System. I, uh, I'll tell it. A little more in depth since it's the 20th anniversary. I remember that thunder where Bischoff was on the phone, and I didn't understand the implication. What he's saying that the investors pulled out, blah 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 blah. So we're going to have a night champion. It didn't occur to me. It didn't really hit because it was still primitive internet. It was a the computer we had in the house was Mark's my my stepfather's laptop with a 56k modem card sliding uh, sliding slid into the side, and you'd plug the phone line into it, connect. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was troubleshooting to that even in those days because apparently nobody at the home read the manual. Um, and getting online and and, and seeing rumors and, and I guess taking the weekend off because I missed the announcement that Vince – I missed the initial announcement that Vince, Vince bought WCW. Yeah. And it still didn't really occur to me when I heard it, like the day of. I heard Vince bought WCW. It was all over school. Did you hear because they're all picking on me because I was the kid in the neighborhood that watched WCW. Everybody was like, I like WWF. But yet, I still remember them popping when Sting came out in War Games 96. They were like, this is the greatest moment ever. I was like, yeah, go watch you fucking whatever. Um, and they're all all but three are dead. So yeah. I, I can't hold that over them anymore. So um, You win. I win. <laughs> I win. If I die tomorrow, I won. Um, but – it didn't really occur to me because when you say that to me as a young kid, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Vince owns another TV show on another network. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happens is, is he buys the library and buys the intellectual properties, property. but he doesn't get the TV show because TNT wants it gone. AOL Time Warner wants it gone. Uh, it's lost, what, 50 million a year before, maybe 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not a profit. So they want it gone. So basically you have nothing. Which is why the deal with Bischoff uh, and Fusiant Media uh, felt, yeah, I remember the name of the company, uh, dropped off because they were like, well, we don't have TV. We don't have anything. You gave us nothing. So they were like, we're out. And it didn't occur to me until 
the WCW logo, the terrible late 90s, 2000s WCW logo flashes on screen. I have it somewhere. Okay, here. Yeah. And giant, it's a uh, giant C. The giant, the giant C, the Star Trek logo that's been mashed and fucked together uh, pops up on screen and it fades. It fades into Vince. Just like that. And I just remember jumping up because I used to watch. I used to get thrown into the bed, my bedroom, to watch wrestling in those days because you know, yeah, mom and dad didn't, stepfather and mother didn't want to watch that shit. Uh, she's just tell me when Mick Foley or Kevin Nash was on. Got it. Okay, I her, about that was her one thing. That's like yeah. just tell me when those two were on. Mom, Mick, <laughs> Ma, Kev, Ma, Kev. Um, but I just remember running into the living room <laughs> yelling, "Mom!" <laughs> This is on Nitro. I don't care. <laughs> but you don't understand. It's, it's over. And then that false hope at the end. Yeah. Where Shane's like, I now own WCW. And, and knowing later that they actually had house shows scheduled. And then Vince was like, this, nobody. Buff Bagwell just ruined that. Yeah. <laughs> just killing it dead. And then, of course, you hear years later about the plan Bischoff and Fusion had with the Big Bang that was going to happen in May. Yeah. And, um, you know, oh, well, that explains it. Years later, it is what it is, but I I know there's a certain somebody who is a garbage who will say, just get over it, but I think you'll agree with me. Uh, wrestling's never really recovered. No. Um the, no, and uh, despite the um, the challenges to the one-party system, the, the TNAs and the AEWs or the Ring of Honors to a lesser extent, um, having one world organization has not always been the best thing about being a wrestling fan, especially one um, when you grow up with the, the territories and also just being a, a professional wrestler. There, you're so many. You're limited to where you can ply your trade. The indies um, aren't as prevalent as they used to be, and at least now they aren't. Back then, 2001, you could still uh, there was the indie wrestling scene was a lot more prominent and a lot more uh, accessible if you wanted to be a wrestler in any in a particular state. Um, you didn't have to travel as far because there were independent wrestling organizations in just about every every state in the United States. But with the advent of the WWE being all powerful, now it's like now you got to go. They used to be wrestlers used to come to Philadelphia, or they go to Cincinnati, or they go to they can get in in Ohio Valley Wrestling, or they can go into uh, obviously Texas or Los Angeles. There was India, but now it's like everyone's got to go down to Florida. Everyone's got to got to make it into the performance center. If you don't make it there, then you know you're you're pretty much screwed. And then you got to try to make it in Japan or Mexico, and uh, it's uh, not has not been the best thing about um, WWF buying WCW. And for me, it was just seeing the 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 death of the NWA which to me was always a far superior wrestling company to the WWF, even though I grew up in the heart of WWF country in Philadelphia. And seeing a matches at the Spectrum and hearing about the results of Madison Square Garden and now having to only read about what was happening in the NWA through the uh, scores of After magazines that I bought every month and pour through them like they were, 
you know, um, the latest Playboy. Um, that's what created my love for professional wrestling was the fact that there was different stuff outside my door. And while I loved Bruno and everything like that, I always wondered what Ric Flair match looked like or how Nick Bockwinkle uh, would uh, fare in his feud with <coughs> Ray Stevens. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, how dare you cough? Um, but yeah, that that. But on March twenty third, two thousand one, was a, a big day in professional wrestling. But in a big day in wrestling fans too, because like you said, it was it was uh, you couldn't realize how big it was. And uh, even calling your mom, it's like you, this is a it, this is a big deal, and it's it's the end. <laughs> Shut up! Nobody cares. <laughs> um, well, some people care. This is deadpan. I don't care. Like, no, you don't understand. I, I don't care. I didn't yell. I didn't cry. I just was yelling. I was like, fine. And I went back. <laughs> Which I still yell at her like that all the time when she tells me she doesn't give a shit about something that she doesn't give a shit about. Of course. But, yeah, no, I. Uh, it's hard to it, – listen, it's hard to not justify talking about it when everybody – the same in the same breath people are like, get over WCW is the same breath that – they used to go, well, hasn't been the same in years. But, yeah, that's part of – that's a major, major part of the reason why. Yes. Um, and it's something that occurred to me when you said that is it's really hard to imagine and fathom that the NWA got from there to there. Yeah. <laughs> and I know the NWA came back very white with uh, Billy Corgan, whitely. Oh, sorry. Um, but the NWA is back white. And um, – mm-hmm. It's going to be on the White Fight Network. Sorry. Um, so that's cool, but you know, it's not not the same yet. I, the NWA is a nice uh, view away, but that'll never that'll never happen again. It'll never happen again, as proof by Impact and so far AEW. Exactly. And also, and you know, the NWA wasn't just a, a, studio, a studio with flags on it. The NWA was. Georgia. It was Florida. It was world class. Rocket. It wasn't. It wasn't just the Carolinas, dude. We never talked about it on the anniversary of WCW time. We never talked about it on the show. Dave Crockett passed. That's right. He passed, and we never talked about it. The dad, the father of many of the moments. Yeah, uh, yeah. Their Dave family Crockett. was absolutely instrumental. In the NWA's uh, surge in, from the 70s, the 60s, right on into the yeah. 80s. Right. And Dave Crockett Jr. carried that all in into WCW. What happened after that's not really his fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, one could argue the money thing was kind of his But he's yeah. the, he was – there was Vince. And on the other side, there was Crockett. And it was Jim Crockett who, you know, I mentioned in last week's uh, wrestling historian about the turnaway crowd they had to Greensboro Coliseum with Steamboat and Youngblood versus Slaughter and Carnotal, um that drew had a turnaway 16,000 fans and it was Jim Crockett that used that to that inspired him for Starcade because he said if we can do that on a march get 16,000 fans turned away um, we can do that in Thanksgiving because it was Jim Crockett who started – he wasn't the first promoter, obviously, to start – have wrestling, major wrestling cards on holidays. But his Thanksgiving shows 
were traditionally were the biggest ones in the United States, and they were, you know, they'd have Thanksgiving shows, obviously, in World Class in Texas, and Thanksgiving shows in, in Georgia at the Omni, but Crockett's Mid-Atlantic Thanksgiving shows had big time. You would blow off feuds. You had Ric Flair and Blackjack Mulligan. You had Ricky Steamboat's first United States Championship win. Jim Brunzel won his only singles title on Thanksgiving when he beat Ray Stevens uh, for it. So it that so that his view, his vision of Starcade, but which was two years before WrestleMania, uh, that was Jim Crockett's baby. Jim Crockett was responsible for more careers being seen on a national, more wrestlers being seen on a national stage than anyone else. Under Jim Crockett was the first time national audiences got to see Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Greg Valentine, Jimmy Snuka, John Studd, Ken Patera, um, like I said, Tony Atlas, Jim Brunzel, the Anderson brothers. Because of the Anderson brothers being the World Tag Team Champions, under Jim Crockett, there was different versions of the of the NWA Tag Team Championship. There was one in Texas. There was one in in Los Angeles. But under Jim Crockett, the Anderson brothers, Gene and Oli, their version of the NWA Tag Team Champions became the sole and only World Tag Team Champions because the Mid Atlantic area was outselling every other territory in the 70s and early 80s because of wrestlers like Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat and Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper, which put Mid-Atlantic over the map with the advent of cable television. Well, all under the all the auspices of Jim, of Jim Crockett did the NWA, and it went from just being the Mid-Atlantic to become the headquarters of the NWA. It was in St. Louis, and where you had so many great uh, wrestling matches in St. Louis, and but and also but it, it moved from there to the Mid Atlantic to the Carolinas, and with Jim Crockett's great vision and with his such a, a a great guy to deal with, he was able to have handshake deals with other promoters, and check out the the card he put together in Toronto because not only did he put around put great cards together in in the Mid Atlantic and in Georgia. In Toronto, he put together this card uh, March 25th, 1979. You had the NWA Tag Team Champions, Paul Orndorff and Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, they were the NWA Tag Team Champions, taking on Ken Batera and John Studd. The United States Heavyweight Champion, Rick, Ricky Steamboat, went to an hour with Ric Flair. And the main event was the WWF heavyweight champion Bob Backlund taking on the AWA heavyweight champion Nick Bockwinkle. Oh, my God. I'm assuming footage doesn't exist. No. What what was the venue? Uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah, that'll, mm-hmm. that'll goddamn do it. March 25th, 1979. They went to 45-minute Broadway. They just don't goddamn make them like they used to. Not at all. And most of them are trying to abuse the wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Indie wrestling reference. Sorry. But uh, that was uh, to uh, to for the, for overlooking the uh, 
the death of 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 Jim Crockett, who was a Dave. major Dave. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. No, no, no. It's cool. It, it happened at a weird time where it was like right after. It was like it was like right after we did the show that week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Dave Crockett died, and I was like, implying, you want to go back on the air? And you were just like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened. And I was like, okay, so that's a no. Um, so then I forgot about it. And, um, yeah, if you ever watched the NWA or WCW before Turner completely took take, took over, that's your guy, that Crockett family, man, and that's it. Yeah, just the interviews alone. That was, again, that was the first time Roddy Piper was seen on a national Television play. The only person that could turn Ric Flair face was Roddy Piper. That is true, uh, and it happened under the under under Crockett in the Mid Atlantic. Um, so that uh, I put one day ahead because um, that's I okay. Usually, it was I, that, end, I threw yeah, a curveball, so yeah, I usually end with what happened today in wrestling history. But tomorrow in wrestling history was a Super Toronto Maple Leaf card uh, highlighted by. The uh, WWF champion, Bob Backham, taking on the AWA champion, Nick Bockwinkle. Let's re-review it again next week. Yeah. And but, yeah, yeah, we went into yeah. the end of WCW to a very timely discussion about yeah. David Crockett. So. Yeah. Uh, and, finally, uh, on this day in professional wrestling history, I know I skipped ahead one day to right. talk about March 25th, but on this day in professional wrestling history, uh, much maligned, uh, I've given him tons of crap on uh, this particular on the HIAP Talk Radio, um, and it, again, it's my opinion. Um, I know it's not a popular one, but still, for who he is and what he has done, uh, he deserves all the praise in the world. So, happy 56th birthday to Mean Mark Callis, The Undertaker. And I do want to correct myself. I did mean Jim Crockett Jr. Yes. died, not Dave Crockett. Yeah. We said it right. Jim Crockett Jr. died. Yes. Um, David Crockett was the announcer. David, Dave Crockett is still around. Jim Crockett is. You said Jim Crockett. You corrected me when you were telling the story. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, uh, <laughs> ah, The Undertaker. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Happy hey, birthday. you know what? Like him or not, he made that career uh, stick for 20 years. The greatest gimmick. In WWE history. That's from a guy that hates him. Yeah. I give him nothing but respect for that. He turned into it, and he made it his own. And, yeah, I, I can't – You one cannot argue with his uh, impact on professional wrestling and uh, what he's done, uh, the amount of crowds he's gotten, uh, main events, uh, money he's drawn, and, of course, the WrestleMania streak. Uh, that actually uh, started, actually did start on this day. Do I get my, um, yes, Undertaker's streak started on his birthday, 1991, 30 years ago. Wow, 30 years ago. Shit. Got him old. Yeah, uh, WrestleMania 1991, he defeated Jimmy Snuka for his first WrestleMania win. Say what you want, man. Stay relevant all that time. Yeah, nothing more to say about that. And he ended one of his, and thankfully his last match. Thankfully, I'll say to wrap it back up and bring it full circle to what we talked about in episode A. His last match, thankfully, was a cinematic match because if that was going to be in ring, oh boy, 
Oh boy, we saw what happened to, uh, over wherever the Let's hell. See. Yeah. So you know what? At least it gave us that. Yeah, if that's how he's going to go out, and hopefully that will be the last time we ever see him in the ring. Good. Um, made no secret of the fact that uh, he's overstayed his welcome welcome more than once. But um, nothing but good things to say about Mark Calloway. Mark Callis, uh, is a professional wrestler. He grew up a fan, which is why I've always had respect for him. He wasn't one of the people that we've also talked about on this show that just fell into the business or just saw it as a way to make money. He grew up a fan in Texas. He went to the Sam Houston Coliseum with his buddies. Um, for He shook Andre's hand once when he was a fan. So um, always have much love and respect for him for that because he understood the business and he, pre- he appreciated the business. And even him giving the rub to guys that uh, were up and comers like John Cena, even Randy Orton, uh, Jeff Hardy, guys like that. And he always, you treat him fairly, he will treat you fairly. And and a guy like Ernie Ladd, that if you crossed him, you would get the business end. He wasn't afraid to say, you know, and even even to... You know, Shawn Michaels, he said, if you do dirty after it, I'm going to meet you. And it was after it was a Steve Austin match. where It was uh, a WrestleMania 14. He sat there yeah. in the chair. He had his fist yeah, taped, his up, taped up. And he, he said, said he sat alone at the TV, uh, at the TV monitor near Gorilla mm-hmm. with the chair backwards, sat in the chair, watching like this, doing this. And as soon as the pin went, as soon as one, two, three happened, he stood up. Walked away, untaped his wrists, and left. Yeah. He was that – he could argue about his personal beliefs on how the world runs, but as far as wrestling, he protected other wrestlers. Yeah. As far as I know. Yeah. And when the Mount Rail screw job happened, he kicked over a chair in anger, and he was really pissed off at Vince. He, he, he went after him. He went after him. Where the before, fuck is Vince? Before, <laughs> before Brett even did, so – Uh, Uh, wasn't it Taker that kind of talked Vince into saying you better take your yeah you better take this dude Mm -hmm. don't make him wait don't make him more angry you better take it now yeah and for being a locker room leader a locker room guy and uh, the one that all the boys respected and his kind of he'd be the one to to settle any disputes be a wrestler's court or anything else but uh, if you were cool with Taker, then that that went a long way, um, because you'd have to do a lot to piss him off. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, you, you really try, had to try. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a, a guy that uh, has uh, left the world of wrestling better than when he entered it, and for a guy that I w- went from a skyscraper to um, the Undertaker. The hell of a career. Hats off. Anyone who has a career of more than 10 years in wrestling deserves nothing but respect, even if you're a job guy. But he was a main event guy. Uh, that, As far as the, the people, you know, you look at the roster in WCW in the late 90s, and you look at Steve Austin, and Mick Foley was there, and Steve Austin was there, and The Undertaker was there. Uh, you wouldn't see that these guys would be the biggest money-making people in in the WWF when they could barely make uh, the opening match on the WCW television card. But that's a tribute to them, and it's a tribute to uh, their uh, their perseverance. You know, they, they knew they were better than they were. 
Austin, I knew was better than where I didn't have no idea that Mark Callis said mean Mark Callis would be the greatest character invention in WWF history. Still, so happy 56th birthday to the Undertaker. Heads off to you, sir. You're still the most overrated wrestler I've ever done in my life. But you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. And in case you didn't know, this has been the Wrestling Historian. Very good fix. Uh, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Danlaw83. BOCNation.com is the main website. If you go on your smartphone to any podcast app or preferably Spotify, and you go to type in VOC Nation Radio Network, you find all of the VOC Nation radio shows almost at it. Almost at it. So close. Uh, but you'll also see ours. And a special new logo for the show that we'll reveal on our anniversary might or may, may or may not already be there. I've put, it, I've put banners up in certain places so the new logo's up because I didn't feel like re-editing it. But Reveal April 14th on that episode of HIC Talk Radio, the VSD Nation radio network on all podcast apps or Spotify. Uh, if you want to watch it later, if you're watching this live and you miss something, youtube.com slash analyte3. Or if you're on YouTube and want to watch it live Wednesday nights, twitch.tv slash analyte3. For Craig Legans, I'm the above average comedian, Dan Colachico. We will see you next week for Nerd Herders. Have a wonderful night. Hey, this is a Total Package Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Wrestling. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airlines cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Rock and Roll Union and North Step Productions, in conjunction with Boo Ray Atlantic City, proudly present Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th. Featuring As We Become Ghosts and Rat Rod. It's been a long, cold winter, and now it's time to rock. Also appearing, the Rock and Roll Union house band, Shades of Grey, playing all of your favorites from the 60s to now. All COVID regulations will be in place. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and are extremely limited, so get them before they run out. Doors open at 6 and showtime is at 7. Rat Rod, As We Become Ghosts, and Shades of Grey. Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th at Blu-ray, 201 South New York Avenue, Atlantic City. Did I mention there's free parking? Don't miss it. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.